You are listening to Sparking Wholeness with Erin Carey, where we talk about all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, everybody, it's Erin Carey. Welcome back to Sparking Wholeness. Today, I'm speaking with Abby Halberstadt. She is a happy wife, homeschooling mama to 10 rad kids, best-selling author, blogger, fitness instructor, and reigning family nerds champion, which I love. I love nerds, never win, but I like it. But most <laughs> importantly, she is a Bible-believing Christian who desires to know God and make him known. She lives by the motto, hard is not the same thing as bad, and loves encouraging women to dig deep in the everyday trials of motherhood for the treasures of joy and growth that are there in abundance if we're only willing to look. She, her husband, Sean, and their double handful of children live in the piney woods of East Texas in my hometown as well. So Abby, thanks for being on the show. Erin, thanks for having me. This is, this is going to be a good conversation. I was so intrigued when I saw the title of your new book is hard is not the same thing as bad. I had so many emotions that formed from that phrasing. So can we talk about where that phrase comes from for you and what you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. And if, and when you get the book in your hands, this is kind of the first thing that I say at the beginning is like, why is this why is this, this phrase? I don't, I don't even love the phrase mantra. I'm not really a mantra girl, but why is this, this kind of lifeline that you have clung to and that you have introduced to so many people? And that's the question, like, where did this come from? It really came from my twin, my first set of twin toddlers, uh, two sets of, um, toddler, or two, two sets of twins. And when my first set were toddlers, they were just madness and mayhem and screaming and emotions and histrionics and (laughs) the car and sensory issues. And they were sweet much of the time, but they were also maddening, you know? And I found myself doubting a lot of the things that I thought I knew about parenting, but then being reminded over and over again, no principles are true. Just because you don't see results right now, doesn't mean that the sticking in here through this hard isn't producing something good in you and in your children, you know, that this consistency, consistency through challenges is a bad thing. In fact, oh my goodness, it's a good thing. It's transforming my perspective. It's giving me more grit. It's growing my perseverance. And the Bible tells us that perseverance produces character and character produces hope. So when you feel hopeless, when your toddlers are melting down yet again, and there's two of them, and you feel like you're just losing your hearing in stereo, recognizing that this has a purpose is so much better than wallowing in this is pointless. I'm being bullied. I'm suffering. I'm, I'm being tortured. Um, so the, the, the subtitle of the book is the perspective shift that could completely change the way you mother. Mm-hmm. In other words, take it from I'm being bullied. I'm a victim to this could actually make me better. The Lord is using this for good. And when you can look at challenges that way, instead of as a Well, I guess I'm just going to stick my fingers in my ears, curl up in the fetal position and survive, hopefully, maybe make it on on the other Mm -hmm. side. It really does change not only your mindset, but your actions. And I think that's really powerful in parenting, but it's also really powerful in just life. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. So you said something and I have total chills. This is crazy. So the last few days I've been stuck on a particular set of scripture, Romans five, one through five. And what does it say? It's basically what you just said in verse three, not only that we rejoice in our sufferings, suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character yeah. produces hope. Yeah. I feel like that is way too, too coincidental that you would bring that up right now when I've been stuck there. And yeah. I think a lot of moms, no matter the age of your kids, cause you have a wide range. I have a wide range, not as many, but a range and we live in survival mode. So can you speak mm-hmm. to survival mode a little bit and, and a different perspective on that? Absolutely. I do not feel like we are called to stay in survival mode. I fully acknowledge that there will be seasons. And again, I have two sets of multiples. Newborn multiples involves survival mode at certain points. I mean, I remember my second set who are now almost three would wake up on opposite schedules all night long. So sometimes I was up 15 times a night and then I had to wake up and homeschool because we were a homeschooling family and make food and Shifting your perspective from being a victim to an overcomer means that you have to have systems in place to actually overcome. I think we can get too Susie spiritual and say, well, the Lord will just give me strength, but you have zero plan for the day, (laughs) Mm -hmm. zero rhythms in place. You have zero strategies for how you're going to step out of survival into management phase, which is a better phrase for the survival phase, because we can thrive. I truly believe that we can thrive in motherhood and in Christian living on a daily basis, but there are going to be seasons where everything is stretched so thin and you have to recognize the areas that you need to let go. The areas that you need to give yourself grace and that it's not like abdicating or giving up. And the areas where you actually would serve yourself and get yourself out of survival mode better if you would dig in a little bit deeper Mm. and say, I need to stop giving myself a pass because every time I give myself a pass in this area, even though I'm sleep deprived, everything ends up in chaos, you know, Um, or, or I end up with mom guilt and then I end up pummeling myself and going to a cycle of that. And there's something that I talk about in my first book, Emmett's for Mama, which is the difference between mom guilt and Holy Spirit conviction. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So mom guilt is often this thing that might be a societal pressure or your mother-in-law's pressure or um, your best friend seems like she's doing it better than you are. And you are piling things on yourself that don't really belong to yourself. You're putting yourself in survival mode that you don't have to be in, that your circumstances don't even demand sometimes because you're trying to look to the right and the left and the back so much that you take things on yourself and feel guilty for things that are not worth like So my friend cleans her baseboards once a week and I don't, who cares? This is not (laughs) a moral issue, right? Mm. And then there's Holy Spirit conviction saying, I know that you're barely making it and you got pizza last night and that's fine. Mm -hmm. But if you get Chinese takeout and Chick-fil-A tomorrow, you're starting to tiptoe along that edge of abdication. Even if what you did instead was rotisserie chicken and fruit. You know, mm-hmm. like you, mm-hmm. I'm not saying cook a gourmet meal from scratch instead. Right. <laughs> I'm saying make a conscious decision to at least step closer to getting out of survival mode mm-hmm. um, instead of clinging to, I have this right. I have this right to stay here, which we see a lot of in our society. I feel like. Yeah. 
Oh, that's, I, you know, you touched on food and I think that that is really, you know, that's my sweet spot. Love talking about food, talk about it all day long. But when we're talking about feeding a family and in your case, a family of 12, right. Total, um, yeah. that gets, I, th- I think anybody can hear what you're saying and, and go, Oh, okay. Maybe she can make that work, but I'm, I'm really drowning or I have this yeah. going on, or I have a husband who's not supportive, or sure. I have a kid with special needs or, and, and again, you have all the age ranges. And uh, like you said, what did you say? Doubles? I, what was your phrase? Double handfuls. Yeah. Double handful. I love that. A double handful. And, and there are ways to make it work. So how can you encourage that mom who's going, but, 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 but what about me? Sure. Okay. So I feel like ideal in principles rather than specifics. I have a whole lot of people that want me to handhold their motherhood. Okay. Mm. So, and I talk about this all the time. So you talk about being consistent and following through with discipline, but I have a 5.5 year old who has this personality, ADHD is this gender and doesn't interact well with this particular set of strictures. What would you do with him instead? Mm-hmm. Um, I have a 28 month old who I joke about this in my first book who yodels in his sleep. How do you do? I'm like, they're getting <laughs> really, really nitty gritty. And I always want to bring it back around to, and some people are going to get mad at me for this, but that's okay. Like, do you want to stay drowning or do you want to start to climb out of it? Because if you want to start to climb out of it, you're going to have to look for solutions, not excuses to stay there. Mm-hmm. And they don't even have to be the grand solution that fixes everything all at once. That's rarely how that works. It's usually small, steady better choices that are marching toward best and what works best for your family. Small, steady, better choices. I love that. And with that, I want to take a second and thank our sponsor for today's episode. Today's episode is sponsored by KiwiCo. Now we are talking about survival mode and how you don't have to stay there. I know for me, something that can really help just get me out of the regular routine is playing with my kids and doing something fun and engaging with them. Well, KiwiCo is defining the future of play by making it engaging, enriching, and seriously fun. They create super cool hands-on projects designed to create a lifelong love for learning among kids. Each month, KiwiCo delivers crates packed with fun and sparks creativity with kid-friendly topics and activities. The crates cover a ton of interesting topics and provide real hands-on skills for kids to explore. From engineering robots to learning about the science of cooking, there is something for every kid. Discover subscription lines for kids of all ages, ranging from infants and preschoolers to teens and beyond. Yes, there is even something for 18 and up. My two boys are nine and six, and they were so excited when they got their crate from KiwiCo because they had been hearing about KiwiCo. They see it on ads. And the project that my six-year-old was able to create was a mechanical sweeper. The project my nine-year-old did was a domino machine, and they loved it. They were so engaged. They spent a lot of time focusing and working hard. I was so proud of them, and it was so great to see them engage, and it was great to engage with them. For my nine-year-old, it was the first time for him to make something that included a battery, so that was really cool. 
cool. They keep begging me. They will not stop begging me. When is our next crate? When is our next crate? So they're really excited about looking into the yummy crate where we can make food together because they love cooking and even better, they love to taste test anything that they are cooking. So there truly is something for everyone and my very different boys who are nine and six loved it. Cultivate your child's natural creativity and curiosity with new hands-on projects every month. They'll explore new worlds and rediscover familiar ones even without leaving home. From discovering the science of magic to engineering a domino machine like we got and so much more. The moment of pride and accomplishment at the end of a KiwiCo project sparks creative confidence for ongoing tinkering and experimentation, which I love. I, I will say as a former teacher, I think our kids are losing the ability to love learning for the sake of learning. So it was great to see that in my kids. As a parent, it can be really hard to find creative ways to keep your kids busy, challenged, and off of those screens. I feel you. KiwiCo does the legwork for you so you can spend quality time tackling projects together. There's no commitment. You can pause or cancel anytime. It is such a fun and engaging activity for the whole family. Redefine learning with play. Explore hands-on projects that build creative confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line at kiwico.com spark. That's 50% off your first month at kiwico.com spark. All right, Abby, getting back to our discussion, what do you say to the person who says, I just don't know what works for me? I would tell them to sit down and look at their schedule for the week and see if there's 30 minutes where they could meal plan. Someone I would think somewhere has to find 30 minutes that you can sit down and say, I picked six meals for the week. They're not, you know, vegan and organic, but they aren't, you know, full of eating out chemicals, (laughs) full of MSG (laughs) and and burned oil. Right. Um, That's better. That's a better step. And, um, so one thing that I do that I try to serve my readers with is I do a meal plan newsletter, um, because I know that our brains just start to shut down, but I want to encourage moms or anybody, especially in the food area, you do not have to be crazy creative, like find something that works for you and rotate through 20 meals for six months. Like who cares if you had sheet pan veggies and chicken you know, three times in a month, who cares? It was nutritious. It was filling. It was doable for you and your family loves it. Do it again. Um, cause I think that that would be an example of a mom guilt pressure that is just off the charts, ridiculous that you're supposed to be creative and mix things up and all those things. I, I don't think historically we we would see that at all. Like the kind of eating that our ancestors would have done it would have been based on what was seasonally <laughs> available. It would have been very repetitive. It would have been very simple. So I feel like that's a societal pressure that's just born of HGTV. No, not HGTV, the Food Network or something like right. that. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, that, that's a really good point. I mean, and I think even we could argue from a gut microbiome standpoint that eating seasonally and not changing things up too much is probably better, but that's a whole other topic. It is so- a whole other topic. <laughs> So yeah, but okay. So what about for the picky eaters then? What about the kids that um, are like, oh, I don't want that or or seasons. What do you do at the dinner table when you're making the family usual thing that works for you guys for the most part? And it's like, this is our staple. This is what we do. And all of a sudden you've got one, two, three kids that are like, nope, not going to eat it. How do you handle that? So I know that this is a trigger topic for a lot of people, especially based on 
different parenting philosophies that I see coming out that say basically that it is almost a form of child abuse <laughs> to require faithful <laughs> bites and things like that. But I think that we wouldn't usually say this in most other arenas of parenting that requiring our child to at least make an effort is somehow abusive or, or because here's why, even if you are claiming this, I'm going to push back a little bit. They will have to go into the real world one day and they will be able to go to restaurants and order to their heart's content, but they will also be at a work meal where these are the options and you have to be able to have some flexibility. You have to be able to show some social consideration. You have to be able to show respect to your host. Let me give you this example. This may seem off topic, but it just popped in my head. And I think it's a great example of why teaching our kids flexibility, of why having them take thankful bites, of why saying, hey, we're going to keep practicing this until we get to where we can take two or three bites, which may take, I'll be completely honest, years. Like we're not talking about forcing this in one sitting. So I have this friend that went to Nepal and one of their biggest delicacies with the locals were in the area that she was in was a bowl of fried fat hmm. in cubes, Oof. like, like rolled in seasoning, flash fried and put in a bowl and served to her. She said her stomach was just roiling at even the prospect of doing this, but she did it because it was so clear that it was important to this community that she accept this delicacy as a sign of goodwill from them. And if she had refused it, it would have felt like a refusal of their hospitality, their culture, all of these things. So man, she downed that entire bowl of fat. And do you know what? They accepted her more than they accepted anybody else that came new to them that was wanting to work with him because they saw her willingness to be flexible, to adjust, to honor their preferences. And again, we're talking about not a moral issue, right? We're not yeah. talking about, I'm not going to honor someone's preferences that violate my belief in biblical truth. Mm -hmm. I'm going to calmly and kindly say, there's a reason why I can't in all good conscience do this, but eating a bowl of fat is not one of them as revolting as it sounds to me, you know? <laughs> But I know her upbringing and I know that she was taught that thankful bites and being flexible and being willing to try, even when it's not your favorite in areas other than food as well, were ways of growing our self-discipline and growing our other's consideration and growing our empathy and all of those things. So even though it's quote unquote, just food, I think it's important to practice when they're young because they may not fully understand why they have to at least try but we're setting the stage for when their development is able to let them understand kind of some of the benefits in the future. And when we say you don't have to eat anything that you don't like, we're giving them the impression that that's a tenable stance to take towards anything in the future. And I just really don't think telling someone just because you don't like it means you get to opt out of all the things is going to serve them well. Yeah. Um, in, in our culture, in society, in marriage, in parenting, <laughs> any of it. So I talk about this some um, in heart is not the same thing as bad in my toddler chapter, how our approach is going to be to offer to definitely try bites. There's going to be a lot of resistance at first. We're going to keep offering and keep trying. We're going to hold them in our laps. We're not just going to stand over them and point and say, do it now kind of thing. Um, and there's just going to be a lot of repetition. Um, for example, my four and a half year old, 
uh, I would say he probably has some tongue tie issues still. Mm -hmm. He was a great compensator when he was a baby, but there were kind of some things we've taken him to a myofacial expert. And she said, he's such a good compensator that right now, when we took him, he would have been like two and a half. And she was like, this is not a good time to do tongue tie revision. Toddlers do not do well with this. Babies do okay. Five-year-olds do okay. Two and a half year olds lose their minds. So Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do this now. I would just keep watching. And one thing I've noticed is certain textures really bother him. Well, we could, that that's negotiable. That's mm-hmm. like a physical response, but just, I don't like it. We've practiced and he has, it's probably taken two years, but he's gotten past a lot of those items. So consistency, follow through perseverance. Mm-hmm. Those are all big ones. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate your perspective, but it is, you know, I hear a lot of, especially like in the intuitive eating community, there's this whole idea of put everything on the plate and let them choose what they want because we don't want kids to develop eating disorders, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay. So I can appreciate that. But if I give my kids the option of Oreos and vegetables and chicken, they're going to go for the Oreos and they're going to ask for more Oreos because the way their brains are wired you know, and, and the way the food is manufactured for yeah. them to want more. Right. 100%. And so, so I, I think that flexibility is huge in getting kids to develop tastes for different things is really important at a young age as well. And I will say, I mean, you know, you've got older kids, I've got an older child who now she really will eat just about anything at this yeah. point. And they do come back around just for the moms with the little ones They they do yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah. when they have that exposure, right. Would you, would you agree with that with your experience? Yeah. And I was going to make that point as well, that also don't freak out if they have a pretty limited diet, as long as you're mostly giving them good options. Yeah. So like my almost three-year-old twins will eat watermelon, chicken, um, probiotic yogurt with a little bit of organic honey mixed in. They think that's a treat. Mm -hmm. Now, would they eat Oreos all day? If I gave them that option? Yes. They will eat apples. They're not doing great on veggies. So sometimes I'm doing like hiding those in smoothies and things like that, Mm -hmm. but this is a season Mm -hmm. and you know, those are some good foundational things that we have going forward that we can add to. Um, so yeah, don't freak out if the, if, if they have kind of these limited preferences or seem to fixate on certain foods for six months at a time, that's normal. Yeah. Yeah. I I appreciate that a lot. So let's talk about you and you're a fitness instructor and you make time to work out. How do you do that? And that's, that's one I'm sure a lot of people want to know. So I feel like the fact that it's a job really helps my mindset to be consistent. Now I love to move my body. I've always been an athlete. And then when I kind of aged out of group sports, Um, I moved into fitness instructing. I've done that for 16 years. So basically since I was five, I got certified when I was five months pregnant with my second child. So I've done this for almost my kids entire existences. Um, and I really feel like this has worked well for our family because I love it enough to inconvenience myself to do it. If that Mm, makes sense. Yeah. So I have done it at 5.45 a.m. I've taught classes at 5.45 a.m. I've taught classes at the end of a school day when I'm tired. I am very much so the personality that says, I said I would do it, so I will, especially if there's people waiting on me. So that follow through is there because I am I have the accountability of getting paid and people waiting on me to teach them and to lead the class. Um, I also feel like that the gym childcare, which I have chosen gyms that have good solid childcare with caring workers and clean environments, um, has been such a blessing to my motherhood. Just Mm. people are like, Oh, well you get all this time to yourself. Well, when you teach a class, it's different than just putting your headphones in and doing a workout. I've done that too. 
And I've done that at home and I've done that with kids crawling on me. Like I said, I love fitness, but it's very different to stand in front of a class and have to remember choreography mm-hmm. and to engage with your class. Your brain is turned on the whole time. You don't feel super relaxed and rejuvenated, but I still view it as a boon to my, to my mental health mm-hmm. to get to move my bodies and get that endorphin rush and, um, and know that I have sweated out toxins and had a break from mama, 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 can I have, can I have, can I have, and my kids were happy in the childcare and they were like on the other side of the wall for me, literally. Mm-hmm. And then we load up when we go home. So would that work for every family? No. Have I done a lot of exercising at inconvenient times? Yes. Is it something that I'm committed to for life and long haul? Yes. So I think for people that really struggle with exercising, I would just encourage them to ask themselves, um, what they can do for their health that also works with their level of interest. I have a high level of interest in this area. I do not have a high level of interest in gardening. I have the (laughs) potential for a high level as in, I feel like I should, how many people feel about exercising and I would like to, and I've taken some steps toward it, but I'm not there yet. So then the question would be like, why would you spend your time exercising rather than gardening? Because it's what works for my personality and my brain. And it's what brings me life. So while I think people should move their bodies and we do have a sedentary society and we have a workforce that is geared towards lack of manual labor, which in the past would have been people's cardio, you know, Mm -hmm. and weightlifting. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do think that people should take opportunities for sunshine and body movement and all of that. I also want to honor the fact that we all have different things that, that, that really get us jazzed up. Right. And are easier for us. And for me, moving my body is easy and it's easy to get motivated to do it. So it's what yeah. I do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like that. And I like that you touched on the mental health benefits of it, because I think something that, well, I mean, we know in the research that exercise is 1.5 times more effective than talk therapy or medication, right? Like mm-hmm. we, we have the research, but it seems to be so hard to do because it's one more thing for a lot of people. Yeah. And so would you say you're more intrinsically motivated to just get going? Cause you know, you've experienced the benefits from it for most 100%. of your life. Yes. Yes. I am very intrinsically motivated to do it, but I also know what I feel like and my attitude is like when I don't do it. Mm-hmm, and so even those times when I don't have intrinsic motivation or I don't want to move my body, I know that I would benefit from it. And in turn, my family would benefit from a nicer mama. Oh, that's such a good point. Yes. I, I felt that actually this morning I went to work out and I was like, gosh, I'm just not, I slept great. I didn't have like a, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, poor sleeper. No, I slept great. I just didn't feel like I want to do it. I did it. I felt so much better. So there are those moments where it's like, yes, I'm going to be a nicer mom. <laughs> Yeah. If I can just take this time. So I appreciate you saying that. All right. Let's talk about, um, mom burnout. What are your thoughts on that phrase? So I just saw a post today on social media, which is just such a force in our mindsets. I mean, we are so shaped by what we consume Mm. and scripturally, that's so true. We are supposed to renew our minds with scripture. It literally tells us that that's what's going to happen. So what happens when we instead inundate ourselves with secular messaging, with these heavy handed cultural, um, like I said, victimhood mindsets. So I think there is such a thing as actual mom burnout. And part of that comes from a lot of social pressure as well, because it says you must do all the extracurriculars, you must be involved in all of these things. 
Your children will not be fulfilled unless you fill in this blank. And we make things way more complicated and hard on ourselves than we have to. So I am a huge proponent for slowing down, allowing space in your schedule for your family to be together and just enjoy simple things like sitting on the front porch and watching it rain. Although right here in East Texas, we can't get rain to save our lives. Lord Jesus, Mm -hmm. please give us some rain. Um, For playing board games, for having family yard cleanup days, for just allowing blanks in your schedule because the times when I feel the most genuinely burned out are when I have said yes to too many things or I have caved to societal pressures to be something that don't work, that it, that doesn't work well for our families. Now, I think there is a version of burnout that is perhaps a bit dramatized. Um, so this, this social media post that I saw today was kind of like um, the reason why moms can't win. And it was the idea that if you breastfeed, someone's going to criticize you for that. If you bottle feed, somebody's going to criticize you like the two sides of the coin. But I felt like it was a little bit contrived because that's true, whether you're a mom or not, people are going to have opinions about what you do, no matter what walk of life you are, whether you're a dad, whether you're a CEO, whether you're a podcaster, whether you're a stay at home mom, whether you don't have any kids, you're going to have to deal with conflicting opinions about the way you live your life. If you interact with other human beings. So I don't want to coin the term mom burnout as if we truly have this mountain of expectations that we can't possibly be expected to deal with. I think we have to take more agency Mm. for how we interact with those expectations and say, you know what, if I feel that way, especially from social media, I'm going to delete the app off my phone. Mm -hmm. I'm going to silence my notifications. I'm going to unfollow this account that isn't providing conviction. They're just providing more noise in my brain, you know? So I I feel like I just want to push back slightly against that term. If we're talking about the kind of thing where it's like, of course, moms are burned out because just so much is expected of them. We can't possibly be expected to cope. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. And I, I, it's so interesting. You mentioned the way you describe things is very similarly to how I approach nutrition. It's that whole find what works for you and check in with yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of listening to all of these other, there's always going to be noise, what you should be doing or what you, but like you even mentioned finding what works for your family, like the busy schedule thing that does not work for my family. We would, well, my husband is, he would lose it. He would just not, that's just not him. And we need intentional quality time together. That's very important for us. And if we tried to match up with society and did all the sports and all the things and had all the practices every single night of the week, it would be a disaster for our family, our hub right? And that hub is important. That hub matters. And same thing. If you take that even on a more personal level, like what you're saying, it's like, check in with yourself. If you're feeling burned out, what is that telling you? And so I really appreciate that. It's, it's an individualized perspective of parenting and motherhood that I think is important. Yeah. I think, I think that we uh, cannot take a one size fits all. Again, the principles stay the same. We are still tasked with parenting. Well, we are still tasked Um, from a Christian parenting perspective with teaching God's law to our children and helping them to learn to obey it. We are still tasked with taking care of their physical needs. There is a lot, but I don't feel like it has to be in the red all the time if we're willing to reassess. Yeah. Yeah. What are, what would you say your top priority as a mom is like, what is your, a non-negotiable for you? Um, 
I would say that it would be family time spent together in God's word. Mm. We do that as often as we can. Um, So a typical day in a school day would start around 730 in the morning with all of us gathered together to read scripture together, to, uh, to pray together. We actually go, we just have this tradition of going around the room and just praying for the day. And it starts with the youngest that can talk and goes up to (laughs) who's the oldest and my husband. And um, I just, that touch point for us is so crucial to setting the tone for the rest of our day. That's as close to a non-negotiable, non-negotiable as I'm going to get. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I think that's, that's so important. So let's real quickly, cause I have to ask you, um, this whole penny reward system that I saw yeah. on your website, I want to know more about that. I think listeners will love hearing about this because I, it's such a great concept. So I have, um, this is so funny because I wrote a blog post about this probably six or seven years ago. And then I kept getting questions and mm-hmm. I was so, um, so busy with momming and then the book deal coming along and social media, I just super resistant to saying more about it. And I'm like, okay, y'all, because, because I told you, I, I, I love principles. Like I've given you the principle now run with it, but so many people want specifics. Mm, so then so I true. ended up doing a, like a bunch of highlights on it on my Instagram and people wanted more. So then I wrote a chapter on it and it was for mama and people wanted more, but, but what, what do you do in this very, very specific situation? So I wrote an ebook. And that seems to have mostly answered all the questions because I don't get as many like really specific queries anymore. But the penny reward system is this extremely simple pennies in, pennies out way of helping to encourage good decisions and also say, "Uh uh-uh, when there's a bad decision. And it's so intuitive and straightforward that the most disorganized person can do it. There's no charts. You can make a chart because some people love charts. You can make a chart for you know, who earns what and what they get and all this stuff. But we have it down to something extremely streamlined and simple, which is we have these jars set up on our uh, kitchen windowsill above our sink. And we have a master penny jar. And when someone does there, there's a, we do have a list, although I don't think we even display it anymore. We just kind of have the list in our heads because we've done this for years at this point of things that automatically earn you a penny. So for example, memorizing a piece of sheet music and playing it well, like that you actually put that effort into that. That's a couple of pennies. Memorizing scripture, um, memorizing poems, reading books of a certain length. So intellectual pursuits, increasing your, you know, increasing your knowledge, working on your mind. Those are always good ways to earn pennies without, um, without any question. But the goal really is to give an ad a girl or an ad a boy when we notice something that our kids have voluntarily done that is especially kind, helpful, considerate, thoughtful, um, other-centered. So I might be in the laundry room upstairs, which has an interior window, so I can hear downstairs. That's not why it has an interior window, but I am able to hear <laughs> downstairs. The interior window is so that I can get some natural sunlight in an upstairs room. But um, so I will hear somebody say, oh, oh, the baby's cleaned up or the babies spilled their milk. I saw it say they're babies there because they're my babies, but they're almost three. Mm-hmm. The baby <laughs> spilled their milk. I'm going to go grab a towel and I will just holler down. Hey, put a penny in your jar, Nola. You know, I heard you were doing that. Or um, someone says, oh, I got the last cookie, but Theo didn't get one. I'm going to give him half of mine. You know, whatever the example is, could be that it doesn't have to be some big grandiose gesture, but we want the idea. The Bible tells us that the Lord rewards those who diligently seek him. It also says that he punishes those he loves. He loves because it says that he, he, he disciplines us as sons. 
Mm -hmm. It literally talks about that we're his children and that we learn from discipline. And so this idea of saying like, well done, good and faithful servant, or this was not the way to go. And there will be a consequence because we know there's real life consequences that we know the real world consequence of stealing something, or at least it should be the real world consequence of stealing something is that you either pay it back or have jail time, you know? And so we want our kids to understand this concept that there is reward in life. And some of it's intrinsic in the um, joy that you get from helping others. Some of it is logical in the fine that you have to pay if you speed, you know, that's just how that works. And some of it's going to be a little bit contrived. You won't necessarily know what the consequence for your actions will be. So just understanding that, our actions matter, our words matter. We are constantly emphasizing integrity in our home. And we ask our kids all the time, what is integrity? And they will tell you doing the right thing, even when no one is making you or watching. Mm -hmm. So I think the thing that I love about the penny reward system, because we primarily use it for rewarding, not for consequences, although that can happen, but the goal is to look for the good. And then to say, I noticed the good. I'm grateful for you doing the good. Here's a reminder that I noticed the good. Yeah. I love that. And then you have, depending on the personality of the kids, right. It's like, well, how, how many more can I get? I mean, I've got, yeah. I've got a very high yeah. achieving competitive yeah. kid that would be like, Oh, Oh, does this count? Do I get one for this? Do, do you yes. want to do that? Yes. So, so one thing that we emphasize and we remind our children is that you, you may not ask for a penny and other than the things like reading, I will not guarantee you that just doing something kind is going to get you a penny. Mm -hmm. It might, but if you are clearly doing it for the sake of the reward, it pretty much will never get you. Right. <laughs> you know, it, That's what the integrity thing is about. If you think I'm watching and you're doing it because I'm watching, then your reward was in the fact that I was watching. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's some scripture that kind of talks about that. Like, okay, if you're going to pray in public and show people how righteous you are, well, bravo, you've already gotten your reward. People noticed you. Mm -hmm. It's when you actually do things because it's right and good. And the Holy Spirit has prompted you to do it and convicted you to do it, that the reward is in heaven. And in this case, it would be a penny in a jar, which is not the same thing as a reward in heaven. Mm -hmm. But it, it's just so nice for kids to have a tangible reminder that their efforts were noticed and appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I think it's, I think it's so fun and, and fun for the kids and, and smart for the parents. So I love yeah, that. My so teenagers still do it. They don't look down on it. They actually are really happy to have pennies. Um, and then people ask, I mean, I told you all the resources that you could use, but um, one thing that we use it for is called stay up night. And mm -hmm. I've had a couple of people be snarky about this because they're like, oh, so your kids have to earn time with you. And I'm like, I'm a home <laughs> mom. My kids are with me all the time. Of course they don't. But it's extra hours past their bedtime that are special because they get to pay pennies to to have that privilege. Um, so that's kind of that's literally what they look forward to spending their pennies on. They're like, I have enough pennies for stay up night. We're, you know, we're doing I something. Yeah. Yeah. So people, if, if they're interested in that, this is on your website and this for mama.net yes. and they can access this as well yeah, as in my, under as my shop tab. Yep. Okay. Perfect. I will, I'll probably link that in the show notes as well. So tell me last question about the book. What is your biggest takeaway that you are hoping that readers will get from hard is not the same thing as bad. That in Christ's strength, you are way tougher and more capable of things, not because you are enough and you are so worthy in your own self, but because he has gifted you everything you need for life and godliness. That's what scripture tells us. And that we truly are able to overcome even the most challenging circumstances. And I don't mean we make them go away, but that we are not 
drowned by them. Mm. Not because we are good, but because the Lord is good and he doesn't leave us or forsake us. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Okay. So the final question, the name of the show is sparking wholeness. If you could give one piece of advice to spark someone toward wholeness, what would it be? I told you I'm a Bible believing Christian. And I do believe that we are not whole without Christ. So my number one piece of advice would be to seek the Lord beyond that. If you already are a believer or you already are seeking that direction, I would just encourage you to tune out the noise of the world to find godly wise people who are interested in helping you to grow towards righteousness and stay in that lane and not worry about what culture tells you. Cause I feel like culture is a dumpster fire on top of, you know, a tornado right now <laughs> and it can really mess with our minds. Just keeping our mind fixed on things above is the thing that will keep mm-hmm. us in good stead, even when the whole world is burning down. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So the name of the book is hard is not the same thing as bad. The first book is Emma's for mama, your website, Emma's for mama.net and your Instagram as well is you can M dot is dot for dot mama. People got confused. About the periods. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I think at some point I don't remember when I, I saw it and it was when I first read it was Ms. for mama. Cause the way yeah. Instagram yeah. is yes. Yeah. Just the way it is. So yes. Yeah. So M dot is dot for dot mama. Yep. Awesome. And I also, I'll throw out there, started a podcast back in January. Yes. um, That is something that people have really enjoyed as a resource for kind of those long form answers to things. Mm -hmm. And just kind of like we're sitting and chatting like you and I are doing, which is one of my favorite ways to communicate with people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yep. I will add that as well. So thank you again for taking the time to chat. And um, I think this was a great conversation. Like you said, I think it was practical. And I think that we're going to, I know I personally got a lot out of it. I know listeners will too. Thanks for having me, Erin. The tiniest spark leads to the biggest blaze. And I hope that today's episode sparks you on a journey to healing and wholeness. Thanks for listening to Sparking Wholeness. For more information on what I do and my coaching programs, or maybe just to reach out and say, hey, find me at sparkingwholeness.com or on Instagram at sparkingwholeness. Have a fabulous week.